Thanks, brother. Thank Thanks you so much, man. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. Well, the word of God says, what a mighty God we serve. The angels bow before him and the heavens and the earth adore him. God has created us in his image, men and women, to worship him in such time as this. For relationship, tangible relationship in him. The word of God says, in him we live and breathe and move and have our being. Why does he want to do this? Because he will want to give us victory. He want to give us pleasure. He want to give us victory in our life in all facets. And today, when we let go of God, God cry out for his people. He stands up every day and he cries for the nations. I want to show you a movie before, before we move forward and we'll go from there. Go ahead and start the movie and we'll, we'll go from there. Thank you. In order for a culture to maintain itself for more than 25 years, there must be a fertility rate of 2.11 children per family. With anything less, the culture will decline. Historically, no culture has ever reversed a 1.9 fertility rate. A rate of 1.3, impossible to reverse. Because it would take 80 to 100 years to correct itself. And there is no economic model that can sustain a culture during that time. In other words, if two sets of parents each have one child, there are half as many children as parents. If those children have one child, then there are one-fourth as many grandchildren as grandparents. If only a million babies are born in 2006, it's hard to have two million adults enter the workforce in 2026. As the population shrinks, so does the culture. As of 2007, the fertility rate in France was 1.8, England 1.6, Greece 1.3, Germany 1.3, Italy 1.2, Spain 1.1. Across the entire European Union of 31 countries, the fertility is a mere 1.38. Historical research tells us these numbers are impossible to reverse. In a matter of years, Europe as we know it will cease to exist. Yet the population of Europe is not declining. Why? Immigration. Islamic immigration. Of all population growth in Europe since 1990, 90% has been Islamic immigration. France, 1.8 children per family. Muslims, 8.1. In southern France, traditionally one of the most populated church regions in the world, there are now more mosques than churches. 30% of children ages 20 and younger 
are Islamic. In the larger cities such as Nice, Marseille and Paris, that number has grown to 45 percent. By 2027, one in five Frenchmen will be Muslim. In just 39 years, France will be an Islamic Republic. In the last 30 years, the Muslim population of Great Britain rose from 82,000 to 2.5 million, a 30-fold increase. There are over 1,000 mosques, many of them former churches. In the Netherlands, 50% of all newborns are Muslim. And in only 15 years, half of the population of the Netherlands will be Muslim. In Russia, there are over 23 million Muslims. That's one out of five Russians. 40% of the entire Russian army will be Islamic in just a few short years. Currently in Belgium, 25% of the population and 50% of all newborns are Muslim. The government of Belgium has stated one-third of all European children will be born to Muslim families by 2025, just 17 years away. The German government, the first to talk about this publicly, recently released a statement saying, the fall in the German population can no longer be stopped. Its downward spiral is no longer reversible. It will be a Muslim state by the year 2050. Muammar al-Qaddafi of Libya said, there are signs that Allah will grant victory to Islam in Europe without swords, without guns, without conquest. We don't need terrorists. We don't need homicide bombers. The 50 plus million Muslims in Europe will turn it into a Muslim continent within a few decades. There are currently 52 million Muslims in Europe. The German government said that number is expected to double in the next 20 years to 104 million. Closer to home, the numbers tell a similar story. Right now, Canada's fertility rate is 1.6, nearly a full point below what is required to sustain a culture. And Islam is now the fastest growing religion. Between 2001 and 2006, Canada's population increased by 1.6 million, 1.2 of those immigration. In the United States, the current fertility rate of American citizens is 1.6. With the influx of the Latino nations, the rate increases to 2.11, the bare minimum required to sustain a culture. In 1970, there were 100,000 Muslims in America. Today, there are over 9 million. The world is changing. It's time to wake up. Three years ago, a meeting of 24 Islamic organizations was held in Chicago. The transcripts of that meeting showed in detail their plans to evangelize America through journalism, politics, education, and more. They said, we must prepare ourselves for the reality that in 30 years, there will be 50 million Muslims living in America. The world that we live in is not the world in which our children and grandchildren will live. The Catholic Church recently reported that Islam has just surpassed their membership numbers. Some studies show that at Islam's current rate of growth, 
in five to seven years, it will be the dominant religion of the world. As believers, we call upon you to join the effort to share the gospel message with the changing world. This is a call to action. It's stiff, isn't it? It's scary a little bit. Does it, I mean, how do you feel about this very fast? Does it scare you? Does it stir you up? This is in 2008. It has changed ever since. Today, uh, they're excelling and exceeding in many different places that the invasion on many different levels into our country that is not the same what it was then. My name is Kamal Salim. Uh, our ministry is called Kum Ministry. Kum is an Aramaic word for the word arise. And our heart desire and our hope to arise the church to their first love in Christ Jesus. To engage the church back to where God called them to be, to the glory and power, that seat that God called them for. To walk in the authority and the character of Christ. And the third one, to educate them about the impending dangers uh, of Islam and how they're invading the Western civilization and their crown jewel, United States of America. And last but not least, to reach out to the Muslim because the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And when we reach to the Muslim people in the United States of America, we're going to see the harvest excelling and exceeding like never before. And in turn, they can go back home and bring their families to Christ. So our cool ministry is to arise and also to awake and to pray. These are three steps are very, very important because it's good to arise, but it's better to awake to the whole thing and then pray specifically about all these things. Uh, because the fervent effectual prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Our ministry today is reaching all, I mean, majority of the world. Last year, we preached to millions of people. But our desire is is to see God people to do what we're doing. It's not, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you. Uh, in Beirut, Lebanon, was where I was born. We had 14 brothers and sisters, my family. We lived in a three-room house. We didn't have a whole lot. We had the love of Allah. You know, we didn't have a TV either. We lived on the Holy Quran, which is the Islamic holy book. And we lived on the Hadith and the Sirah and Fiqh which is everything about Muhammad. We learned about Futuhat al-Islamiyyah, which is the conquering way of Islam, how they conquered the world. And with this, this is what was my desire. By the time I was five years old, I had a dream. In a dream, I sat on a white horse, dressed in a white short. In my right hand, there's a double-edged sword. In my left hand, there was a double-edged sword. And before me stood the enemy of Allah, the Christians and the Jews. And that day, I challenged their elites, and I behead them. And after I behead them, their head fell before the, the feet of Allah. And that day I conquered. I went into the lines of the enemy. And the Islamic Futuhat al-Islamiyya took over and moved into the line of the enemy. And won, uh, the war was won. And that day I was martyred. And I rose before the face of Allah. And Allah was celebrating what I have done for him. Because this is my love to him, is to offer blood sacrifice. In Islam, you offer your blood as a sacrifice. In Christianity, he offered his blood as sacrifice. When God called for his people to die for him, and when God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for his people. 
When God says, I have nothing to do with you as a relationship, I sit up there, you sit down here, and we're done. Only by work you can please me. The other God says, call upon me and I will answer you. When God says, you will not go to heaven. Every Muslim will have to go to hell first. And then after they purify, then they can go to heaven. When God says, everything is possible in me. I made it in my name. In me, you will live. And in me, you enter heaven. There's no intercessors. There are intercessors. There's no loved. beloved. There is beloved. One man, when a prostitute came to him, she said, I want to be a Muslim. He dragged her by the hair, put her in the city center, and they stoned her to death. He was the first one to cast the first stone. The other one, when the prostitute came to him, and she didn't come to him, she was running away, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were about to stone her, and they looked at him and said, What say you, Rabbi? He said, Those without sin, cast the first stone. And everybody dropped their stone. He said, where's your accuser, woman? Go sin no more. America, go sin no more. Go sin no more. You're hearing this from a terrorist at one time. This man didn't know anything. At his five years old, six, seven, eight, all the way to 16 years, he was fed on a table of hate and anger and ambitions to advance his career and Islamization of the world. By the age, you know, I was six. My mother was teaching me from Ukraine. I was fasting the month of Ramadan, 30 days. I was doing so many things. I was praying five times a day. And my mother said, my son, if you kill Jew for the sake of Allah, your hand will rise up before the throne of Allah and the host of heaven will celebrate what you did. My son, my son, we are here to destroy two Jews and Christians. This is our calling in life. One day you're so pure at heart, you will fill the goal of God and you will die for him. This is my home. This is my mom that nursed me with love. And now she's teaching me what to do with this love. From there, I was growing up and I was reading from the Quran. And it says, That's in the Quran. What does that mean? Whatever you do, small or great, good or bad, Allah will put it on a scale and will weigh your good work and bad work. Based on this, you go to heaven or hell. It is by work. And I knew that as young age, I was evil because I was fighting my brothers and my sisters. I went for the blood all the time because there was no corner in the house. We didn't have a bedroom of our own. You have to fight for a corner in the living room. My favorite place was the kitchen. That's the only place that Gabe never asked back. My mom was a good cook. And the other part is, that's what I learned, on a little table called tabliyi. And we sat there on the tabliyi, and what did we do? We read about the Quran. Yeah, we didn't have SpongeBob SquarePants. We didn't have Mr. Patrick. <laughs> we had all the other stuff, though. From there, as I was graduating... You know, from that Quran that as she teach me, by the, ta- by, the age, uh, by the age of 10, I read it three times and we have to learn it by heart. Although it's very difficult language and many of us didn't know what it's saying, but you have to read it. Why? In Islam, you must follow. You don't have your own status. You have to become. So therefore, we were learning from the surah. One day it says, every Muslim have to go to hell first. And my dad gave us a lesson that day. They said the only redemption in Islam is to die for the sake of Allah. There's no other redemption. 
He said the first drop, first drop of your blood when you die, this you'll become an intercessor for immediate 70 of your family. Your mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, all of them will go to heaven by your blood. So you become forgiven and you will take them to heaven with you. The second blood, second drop of blood, you get 72 virgin women. And with every woman, you get 72 virgin women. I'm going, wow, dad. You have him mom by herself and you have him problem with her. How are you going to control 72 with every 72, 72? He didn't expect that question. He scratched his head. He said, the grace of Allah is sufficient. Grace of Allah is sufficient for me. So this is how it all started. Then I was recruited by the Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood, we were learning at young age how to possess the land. How what not land, the Mideastern land, how to possess the Western civilization. You, America. We were learning how to invade your culture, how to get our student visa, how to migrate to the United States, how to marry your young, beautiful women that you taught for years and put them there so we can marry them and convert them to Islam. And now we move in what? A new citizenship. Because we could not cut off America's feet from under her, lest we become part of her. That's how it all starts. So we become part of your, your world, your civilization, and now we can fight with your constitution, which can turn it directly against you. Seven, eight years old. This is what I'm learning. What are what's your children learning today? Many of you, even adults, don't understand what Islam is all about. My people perish for the lack of knowledge, the word of God says. When we don't understand what their enemy up to, then we are in trouble. Although Islam, we have to look at Islam, it has two components. You have Muslim people and you have Islam. The Muslim people, Jesus died for them too, just like he died for you. You understand me? Jesus died for them too, just like he died for you. Our enemy is not the Muslim. Our enemy is Islam itself because it is the one who brought the Muslim into slavery. My mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, I love them. The Muslim people are generous, they're passionate, until it comes about Islam. And when it comes to Islam, they must fight. Why? Because the Holy Quran spoke, 64% of the Quran spoke about how to possess the enemy, how to kill the infidel. There's not one word in the Holy Quran, it said, talks about love. Not one word. Not one word. It's about war. The Quran changed in the midstream when Muhammad was in Mecca. It was peaceful. And then after he moved from Medina, it accelerated. It's just like any ism religion, like socialism, Marxism, fascism, Islamism. These are the same God, the ism God. Why? They're progressive. They start somewhere and they escalate first your best friend. That's based on hadith by Muhammad. It says, befriend your enemy until you subdue them. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? Do you understand me? Starbucks is good in the morning. Let there be Starbucks. Uh, so with this, sorry. So with this, we have to concentrate is the Muslim when they come to America, although many of them have the ideology to change and destroy the culture, but we must have the love for them 
in, in, in Christianity, there's a two-edged sword. That two-edged sword is the most powerful edge sword. The first edge is love. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, I do love you. Then tend my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Well, you know everything, Lord. Tend my sheep. The second one is to stand strong and declare what Christ did in your life. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony is your ministry. And when you declare, even under the toughest time that you are the follower of Christ, and you will not take a step back, the enemy will be scattered, and the righteous will be glad, and God will be exalted, and will you be free and set free and be purified for such time as this? This is the time and hour for the people to call on God, because He will answer them and show them great and mighty things you do not know or understand. This is the hour. I'm studying with the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood joined who? The PLO. All of us went, became part of the PLO. Why? Because you have to have the power of the Quran, the Muslim Bible, and the power of the sword. It goes hand in hand. These are the two administrations in Islam. Dar al-Harb and Dar al-Salam. The house of war and house of peace. And everything comes under two those administrations. Either this or either that. You either surrender or we're either coming to destroy you. So now we're learning from the PLO. And now I'm shooting my guns. I'm practicing anti-craft, 50 caliber. I was shooting 50 caliber. It's seven, seven years old. TNT. They're not so bars. They're explosive. Grenades. They're not an apple. They're devastation. Killing. Fighting. We were trained to change the world. Intimidate your enemy. That's what we're learning. Went on my first, year, uh, first mission, seven years old. We took weapon caches. We dressed like Bedouin. We went to the Golan Heights, went inside Israel. We delivered our knapsack to the shepherd. The shepherd strapped on the belly of the sheep, took them inside Israel. They started killing Israelis, Jewish people. Why? Because Islam came for two, for one purpose to destroy Jewish people and the Christian people, God people. That's the truth. So help me God. It's all over the Quran. Now I became back and I was celebrated as a hero. And my mom was celebrating me. And now I'm recruiting other kids. I took my best, my best friend, my neighbor, Muhammad, and promised his mother, Fatima, I'll bring him back to life. I took him with me toward the second mission. And this is when we were hit so hard that every kid's died. I carried Muhammad on my back. I thought I was saving his life because I promised his mother. And as I ran toward the Syrian border, Muhammad will become my shield. He took every shrapnel, every bullet from me. Seven, eight years old. This is my childhood. It's stronger than Starbucks. His mother, when I brought him home, she celebrated. She said he's in the bosoms of Allah. And he has 72 versions. And she made a wedding feast for him. Offering cookies and teas, a tea for people. This is what we've, we become gods. 
God's the new giants that walks the land. We don't become like him, but we become more like giant. We the one take over everything. We inhabit the land. We walk over it and we take it. Joshua, Caleb, do something with it. From there, I worked for Hafez al-Assad, dictator of Syria. From there, I worked for Saddam Hussein. Our message, our hope, it's about Islam. It was not about anything else. Our loyalty to Allah. So therefore, if this one, even if he's our friend, turn against us, and we are, you know, led by Allah, so therefore, it's our duty to kill him, even though if he was my friend, if he crossed Islam. So therefore, Islam is number one. Statistics shows in the United States of America, 50% of Muslim American says they are first Muslim and second they are American. So when they have a war against Islam, they stand with Islam against America. Nidal Hassan, Fort Hood, I just spoke there. How about the bomber, you know, in New York City? How about the Azizi in Colorado Springs? How about, how about, how about 16 operation took place last year all of them came to no avail because there's a God watching over the United States of America in such a time as this because he loved you. Because he's a God that he could not help himself but be himself and love you. Uphold my name. Uphold my word. Follow me. I don't want to make you fisher of men. Do you know how to hear the voice of God? If you are not hearing the voice of God, run to the Holy Bible and start read the Word of God because that's how His Word sounds like. And when He speaks to you, you will know. Get familiar with Him. Come, just fall at your knees. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Say, I want to know you. Have your way with me. I want to find you. I don't know where I am, but I'm coming to you. Help me because I don't know. Come here from Sikkim. It's surrender. I surrender all. From there, I worked for Muammar Qaddafi. Muammar Qaddafi was a father to me. I call him dad. He called me son. We were training terrorists from all over the world in Libya. We opened the biggest terrorist university. We trained IRA. We trained some black, black Panthers here in the United States of America. We trained the socialist Marxist movement all over. We were training everybody who want to terrorize. This is what we were doing. From there, I was working for the Saudi family, royal family, where my leader, they were my bank system, they were my everything. The petrodollar that you pump at your gas station supported the mission. That's what terrorism fund came from. So therefore, they said, we send you to Tora Bora because... The American people are going to win another war for Islam, and now they'll possess the land, and it'll be American. The Christian crusaders won the war for whom? For the Muslim. The Christians are defending us. Go fight for us. So we, go, we went over there. We taught the Mujahideen how to shoot heat-seeking missiles. While we're fighting over there, I got my Saudi calls. They said, we need you to come back, go back to, you know, go to America, because... America is not going to stop. We need to take the war to the city street. We need to take the war into society, into the banking system, the education, grammar school, high school, university, to the prison system. We need to take it to their media, to their professors, to their politi political movement. 
we were buying power. A lot of politicians today, they serve God of men and they don't serve God of heaven and earth. Money talks. And we were changing, shifting America. And we were doing all this. I came here. It was so powerful. And one day, as I was driving to recruit, these men just came from Morocco. And I thought, if I just go and recruit them, we'll have more into our, into our power. That day, I had a severe car wreck. I was driving a little Mazda RX-7. It was red color. Leather seats. Bose system. Five-speed. T-top. It has everything. Allah and Kamal were together. Woo! And it's going down the street playing that Muslim music. And I was going down the street to recruit them. And as I was going right uh, on the far left side, this guy crossed right from the right side, right in front of me. If I don't hit the brake, I will hit him right straight on. And I will kill him. That day, as I hit the brake, this car is so light, it climbed up to the middle of the road across the other street. And an 18-wheeler came in, embraced me. It was the great embrace. And I was raptured out of my car. Only to fall in a mud hole. My little car turned to a little red croissant. And it was filled with red jelly. And it was the, not the color of the car, it was my blood all over. Cracked my neck, cracked my collarbone, my ribs, my knees. My body was... You can call me the Cracker Barrel, whatever you want to call me. And as I was there, I cried out, Allah, where are you? Allah didn't answer. This man came running to me. He said, I called the ambulance. I'm here with you. Don't worry about anything. I'll be with you. We're going to take care of you and everything's going to be all right. I'm going, what? He said, we're going to take care of you and everything's going to be all right. Who are we? And as I looked at him, he looked like that Jesus that we were afraid of all the time. He smiled with the big eyelashes and he had this little beard and he just like, I love you. And I'm going like, this, this is creepy. He looks like Jesus. I don't like him. His blue eyes stared at me and I'm going like, and his red neck. You know, I'm just looking at him and he kept assuring me everything's going to be all right. We're going to take care of you. He took his t-shirt off, cleaned the mud from my face and blocked the sun from my face and the ambulance came and took me to the hospital. At the hospital, the doctor comes in and he took my report. Your name is Kamal Salim. You have no family. You have no friend. You have no insurance. You have nothing. You know what? Son, we're going to take care of you now. You're here. And everything's going to be all right. I'm going, that is creepy. He smiled like the other one. And he looked like the bejesus. What are these eating for breakfast? And who are we that you refer to we? We is a big word in my world. Second day I wake up in the hospital. And Mr. Macho comes in. is the head of physical therapy. He's flexing. And this guy stood on the bed. He took my chart off. And he read it. He said, dude. Dude. I'm going, here's... Here's another redneck trying to tell me something. He said, you're in deep doo-doo. But you know what? We're going to take care of you and everything's going to be all right. I'm going, 
Lord, protect me from Satan and all his mocking spirits. He's saying the same language and he's telling me the same thing. And as soon as I looked at his face, he had this on his face. These people practice to laugh at us. Those spirits mock us. And now I'm looking at him. And the fifth day, the first guy came to visit me. And as he's visiting me right there, and he's looking at Kamal, the doctor number one walks in. And instead of saying, good morning, Kamal, he looked at whom? And the other guy, he said, well, so and so, what are you doing here? They know each other. Now tell me, is this by luck or by chance or by what? And they start talking to each other. And Mr. Macho walks in. And instead of looking at Kamal, he looks at the other two and he says, Well, guys, what are you doing here? I thought, this is not good. We map everybody else. We map your society. Who's your governors? Who's your police chief? Who's your every place? Where they live? Where they eat? Who's in power? Where's your military? We know everything about your society that when the time comes in, we can seize that world and bring our world in due time. We're aware of you. And now they're aware of me. They knew everything about me. And that was scary. And I thought, the enemy come to kill me. You see, in, in, in Islam, they said, well, we're going to take care of you and everything's going to be all right. That's me. We're going to kill you. Run, forest, run. Really. In the Christian world, if they said, we're going to take care of you and everything, everything's going to be all right, be prepared to change from six pack to one pack. Because they're going to feed you. They take you to this potluck guy all the time. You become so intimate with this potluck that I'm still trying to meet him. Oh, we're going to have potluck. Where, where is he? He comes with plates all over. And now they're hugging each other and loving each other and telling each other they love you in the name of Jesus. I'm going, oh my God, they're not just Christians. They're foofy Christians. Take your hand off him when you tell him you love him. This is not kosher. And now, I knew I was in trouble. Now I go home. These guys were fighting. Who's going to take me home? And made, the first thing, I made sure that they have rings on their fingers. Because I'm not going with anyone yet. This is not good. If they kiss each other in public and tell each other, I love you, God knows what happened next. And they were finding who's going to take care of me because the hospital is going to discharge me. I don't have any insurance. So now the, the head of uh, surgery, you know, the orthopedic surgeon, took me to his house. And I arrived at his home and he put me in the biggest bed I've ever seen in my life. It was this tall. It was called, called rice bed. Three steps to climb up on it. And it has a feather down mattress. And it has crocheted lace, everything, the windows and everything. The whole room looked foofy. Made for a little girl. And they put me in that bed. Three little monkeys climbed on the bed and started calling me, Welcome home, Uncle Kamal. And when I start telling them, Get out of bed. I am not your uncle. Those kids put their hand on me and they start praying for Kamal Salim. I fought every man in my life and I was not afraid. I didn't even fear God himself. But now, these three little hands conquered into my spirit, man. And I fell, and my fall was great. I cried like a little girl. In their home, they became the living word. They became the living Bible. 
The Bible was walking before me. It was what they're saying, how they're living their life, how they're treating their children, their wives, how they're doing things. The men were cleaning bathrooms. This is not right. Don't do it, man. This is a woman's job. The men were cooking dinner and doing dishes. That's not acceptable. They were changing diapers and vacuuming. They became Martha's. Here's the best part. These men, there were 60 men, professional businessmen. They would come once a week, hold hand. They put Kamal in the middle of a circle, and they pray for Kamal so sweetly. Don't shake your arms. Just hold them straight, tight. Oh, God, that you give Kamal heart of flesh instead of heart stone. Oh, that you pour out your spirit on him, that you open the eyes and the ears of his understanding, that you heal him, that you bless him, that this, this, this. I'm going, who are you? What do you know? I am the child of Allah. I am the one who can do things to you, all of you combined by myself, if I was always on my feet. Be careful. If God called you for something and you do not surrender, he will send you a team wheeler. Or he may send you a whale. Or he may send you something. Surrender before it's too late. Because he's coming. Oh, they were reading the Bible. And they were talking about their issues, what their issues, and praying about their issues. And one of them says, oh, God just spoke to me. I'm going, where? Let me hear him. Right here in the word. Well, let me hear it. Well, he just said this. You heard what I was going to speak about. Oh, the other day they had this woman. She was the head of the party. And she was so sick and running fever. And all of them came over her just like, like bees. And they laid hand on her. I'm going like, don't kill her. And they start praying. And as they prayed for her, she got up. The fever left her and she started doing the vegetable scene. She became another Martha. What kind of magic do you have? I want that magic. Well, his name is Jesus. Well, I don't want that Jesus. Just give me the magic. How can I purchase it? It's for free. God has given you the holy word, the Bible. It is the most important thing from Genesis to Revelation. It's the power and glory of God. Come to know it. Now, I became Nanny Kamal. I was babysitting the children. Oh, we're going to the movies, all of us. Buying popcorn and candy and nacho with that yellow stuff. Oh, we were doing everything. Oh, Uncle Kamal. I'm going like, if my mom only sees me. And now they have friends from Israel. They're coming to visit them and stay at their home because they have a huge home. And these are Jews. And now they're hugging their Jewish friend. And I hug Jews. I'm going, oh my God, if my mom only sees me, your hand will light up before the throne of Allah if you kill Jew. And now I'm holding Jews in my arm. There's something wrong with me. What has happened to me? That little thing that they had on their face, it started coming on mine. It was rising up. I'm becoming foofy. So many things happened. And one day, the doctor brought a bunch of keys and he said, this is the keys to the house. Come on, you're feeling a whole lot better. You can go home now. I said, but I'm not feeling good yet. I'm just not feeling all right. I need to stay behind a little bit more. It's addictive 
The love of God is so addictive that you could not let go of it. So now what I did that day, he said, there's one more key. This is your brand new car. We bought you 280ZX. T-top. Leather seat. Bose system. It shifts when the whole car, when you shift the gear, the whole thing goes. It's so powerful, you got to get one of those. So now, he said, this is your new car. You can go home. When I went home for the first time, I felt defeated. I never knew what defeat was. But this time, I was defeated. As I went to my apartment, the dust in my apartment was this thick. I was waiting to get married. I was allergic to vacuum cleaners. I was just, this is a woman job. In my world, you marry a woman for such a thing. Because the women, according to the Holy Quran, the hell, the fuel of hell is made out of women. It is not made out of, you know, charcoals. The woman is the this, the woman is that. The woman is the least thing in Islam. So uh, heaven is made for men, it's not made for women. Now I went to my apartment, I fell to the eastern window for the first time. And I put my hand to the heavens and I cried to my God, my Allah. Allah! Rabbi wa Mawlai, my Lord and my King, why have you done such a thing to me? I will die for you again and again and again. If I have to live and die daily, I will do it. But you put me among Christians. I'm confused. These people are dumb. They're sheep ready to be slaughtered. But they have a relationship with their God. They cry to their God and their God answer them. They love one another. I want to have a relationship with you too. I want to hear that you love me. Allah, if you are real, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Guess what Allah said that day? Who said that? No, no, seriously, who said that? You know him, didn't you? You know, Allah doesn't do a thing. He doesn't speak. He doesn't talk. He doesn't walk. He's a name. And that day I thought, I'll challenge my God. Allah and Jehovah God Almighty are not the same God. Allah is a God. Jehovah God Almighty is the God. They are not the same God, so know where you're standing. Don't be fooled that they are the same people of the book. It ain't so. Yeah, that's in the southern style, so you can understand it better. It ain't so. And that day I challenged my Allah, and I said to him, Allah, if I die today, and the Holy Quran says if you challenge him, he will kill you. And I see your face. I'm going to say I'd rather live in hell than live with you because you're a liar and a father of lies. Guess what he said that day? Now everybody knows him. I get up. I was going to go clock out because in my world, if I go to my family, to my camera, and say, I changed my mind, this is one-way ticket. This is like Hotel California. You can check in, but you could not check out. You heard the song, right? If I go to my mother and my family, they're going to go, they're going to raise. Today, I have millions on my head, dead, not alive. From my family, from everyone. My cousin is the Holy of Holies. He's the Pope of Islam. He's the Grand Mufti. The PLO, Hezbollah, Hamas, all of them, one after the other, put price on Kamal's head. Well, my time is not up, dudes. I'm going to walk in room until the Lord said so. Let the redeem and the Lord say so. So, nothing happened, so I go grab my gun. I want to clock out for the first time in my life. 
finish my story. And as about the clock out, I heard my first miracle. He spoke to me. He knows my name. He knows your name. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows the breath that you take. When you sleep, when you're awake, everything that you do, he's aware of you because he created you in his image. Be careful what you do with his image because that belongs to him. Everything is about you belong to the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And if you don't know who they are, it's time to introduce yourself and say, I want to know you. Sorry, I scared the girl. So now, he spoke to me. He said, come on. Come on. Come on. The Muslim, the Jews, and the Christians, they cry the God of Father Abraham, and they call on him. Why don't you call on God of Father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? He didn't say God of Father Ishmael. Isaac and Jacob. This is our Jewish tribes. This is our Jewish families. The minute I heard this, I fell on my knees right away and I put my hand to the heavens. When God calls you, run after him. Don't run away from him because he's calling you for a purpose. And that purpose is great. And I put my hand to heaven and I cried out, God, the Father Abraham, if you are real, I want to know you. God, the Father Abraham, if you are real, I want to hear your voice. Well, God, the Father Abraham came to the room, and he filled the room with his glory. And as he dressed in white clothing, he still had the Jewish shawl on his head. He did not change his idea, his mind, his citizenship. He is a Jew. In his presence... There's fullness of joy. There's power. There's healing. There's love. And when he come before him, the creation come to know the creator for the first time. And I said, who are you, my Lord? He said, I am that I am. I said, what is that supposed to mean? I'm a Bedouin boy. What I learned, I have no understanding. He said, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I'm the beginning. I am the end. I am everything that is in between. I have known you before I formed foundation of the earth. I have loved you before I formed you in your mother womb. Rise up. You are my warrior. You are not their warrior. But this is not the end of the story. When I stood up, my collarbone was healed. My neck was healed. My ribs were healed. My knees were healed. He renewed my strength. He renewed my soul. He restored my spirit within me. And I started jumping up and down screaming my lord my lord i said i will live and die for you i'm a warrior let me add them i will go and have them i will live and die for you he said do not die for me i die for you that you may live the wind out of my sail well wait a second i will go and grab them by the skin of their teeth and by their eyelashes and i will make them christians He said, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Be an investor of mine. That's it. From Alibaba to the follower of God, ambassador of God. This is it. This is it. The first man I left to Christ, he doesn't have children, I'm sure, today. Because he was coming out of his car and I know what he does every night. 
He drinks, has party and everything. I start jumping up and down saying, I'm Christian, I saw shit you. He said, all right, already, don't hurt me. I said, thank you, Jesus, it's working. <laughs> I changed my mind ever since because the Lord corrected me. If you love me, Peter, tend my sheep. Number one, come to know what Islam is all about. Number two, love your enemy. Open your home, feed them. If, you're fa- if the enemy is hungry, give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Start having a relationship with them. Pray for them. Start doing things for them. And they see that your God is a forgiven, loving God. And when they see the miracles that's happening in your life, they will see what God is doing in their life. 60 million, 60 million Muslims came to Christ last year. Africa, the African continent has changed. Everything has shifted. It's time for America to start praying. Come, become familiar. Make it every day. Not three seconds. Pray it every day. Pray for the Muslim. Pray for everyone that is lost out there. Love. Start sharing your hope. Start sharing. They overcame by the love, blood of the Lamb and word of the testimony. Testify what the Lord has done for you. Go and seek the lost and share with them the gospel of good news and be a good Samaritan. Maybe a good muscular doctor or a good foofy man on the street that look like be Jesus or be that surgeon. It comes from all the facets of life. But it is you that God is after, that he can bring the world. Thank you for listening to me. And may God bless you and bless our home. Bless the United States of America. And bless this harvest because he's coming home soon. And the time is almost over. The age of the Christian is about to expire. It's going back to Israel. And Israel coming to the place of glory and power. And God is going to move for them and in them like never before. Make your best because when he comes, he comes like thief of the night and when it's over it is over thank you so much fantastic thanks so